Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Cloud Wars Live. The digital revolution is in full swing. In fact, I'd say it is accelerating. And uh, we are moving along here at a pace that I'm not sure uh, anybody has ever moved at, uh, at this sort of speed that's going on. And I'm always baffled, you know, in some ways by the intensity of the change that's taking place and also the speed in which that's happening. And I think in these times, uh, th this notion of leadership, lessons learned, you know, trying to plot the right way forward in thoughtful and effective ways is just more important than ever. And in that context, we've got, you know, one of our favorite monthly digital all-stars, Christian Anschutz, with us today. Christian, welcome to Cloud Wars Live. Always fun to see you. Thank you. It's always a pleasure to be here. Now, Christian, I think as folks who know, he's got quite an interesting background. And for those who don't, Christian has been a CIO, a CTO. He's an entrepreneur. Uh, he's involved in lots of different things and also uh, is a retired captain in the United States Marine Corps. So Christian brings to his work, uh, including being an adjunct professor at the University of North Carolina, a wide range of experiences and perspectives. Um, and Christian, what else? What else? Am I, are you a scratch golfer? You know, other things we should put in here? No, hardly, hardly. And just as a point of clarification, I'm not retired Marine Corps. I'm a Marine Corps veteran. the The retirement thing is a is, is thing we often say. But uh, when, okay. from my perspective, I just thought I would uh, no, point no, that out. I, I'm a Marine Corps veteran as opposed to retired. I didn't do 20 years or, or, okay. or more. And yeah. you, if it's once a Marine, always a Marine, right? Once a Marine, always a Marine. That is very, very true. And and uh, you know, as organizations, we could only you know, wish that we could uh, create environments where, you know, sort of the, the corporate alumni actually hold on to that, that culture and, and that the credo. Um, and yet it is something for companies to aspire to, to yes. think about how they can lead and create the, um, the, the culture and the traditions and the legacy that frame the culture in such a way as to make their organization that high performing over the long term too. So yeah. I'm kind of jumping ahead maybe, uh, although no, no. I think you talk about something different. No, Christian, uh, I think that that's a great point, especially in today's times, as you're saying, you know, things move so fast, we all tend to get in this blur day to day that uh, it, it can be easier than it should be in these times to lose sight of the stuff that is, uh, that's valuable, that's important, that's worth hanging on to and embracing and cherishing as we go forward. There's a lot of crap all around us every day. It's good to let, you know, slide off our backs, but there's a lot of really important things that I think we ought to uh, embrace and, and take time each day to remember the full value of that. And you just pointed out a, a fantastic one for, you know, the few, the proud. Yeah, the few, the proud. And, uh, you know, there is a, a definite correlation between, uh, you know, tradition, legacy, and that the sort of those behavioral norms and standards and the highest performing organizations in, in the world. And the Marine Corps is one of them. Yeah. And uh, for those that have been part of that organization, that's why we're always Marines is because we try to bring that high performance uh, ideally everywhere we go. Yeah. So Christian today, uh, you know, along with that, I, and I think it, it fits very nicely in some of the things we've been chatting about up until now. I wondered if, Given that varied background you've had, the very active and interesting life you've got going on now as a builder, writer, entrepreneur, uh, tinker, experimenter, and so forth, uh, plus all the things you've done in your life, I was wondering if you could sort of open things up a little bit here and talk to, uh, tell us about three of the 
the hardest learned lessons that uh, that you have come across in your various adventures? You know, it, it it's funny, folks. For for you listening, we before we start this recording, Bob will will will, will just have a quick really quick connection. He might go, Hey, what do you, what do you want to talk about Christian? And this time he said, Hey, Christian, I want to ask you these questions. And then we jumped right into it. And it occurs to me that, you know, this is like uh, Bob Evans turning uh, Barbara Walters, because when you, when you ask somebody like, what are those biggest failures? I mean, that's like, talk about like, if someone's going to honest answer that honestly, and I will, um, that's, that's hard. That's, yeah. that's really hard. And there's a lesson in that, by the way. And just simply acknowledging that it's hard and that we all screw up. And I, I've screwed up royally. So I'm, um, I'd say I'm happy to share my screw ups. I'm not sure it's happy is the right word. Maybe I'm, <laughs> I'm willing <laughs> to share three of my uh, biggest uh, screw ups. Well, so, Christian, uh, too, and you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take it for that. What I was, uh, you know, sometimes I, I, I thought, and I'm sorry, I messed up the question. I meant to talk about the three hardest earned lessons you've been through. Now, if in yeah, some those, cases, those lessons are based on my screw-ups. <laughs> if they're associated with failures, well, th- th- this is the, uh, th- that's the course you've been on. But sure, uh, anyway in there. And I, I think, uh, you know, there's some people I know I would not ask that question of because they're not either comfortable talking about it or even if they're uncomfortable, they're not willing to talk about it. I think, you know, you've always been, uh, I think, quite upfront about that as saying, you don't necessarily enjoy the, those things, but this is part of life. And I, I think there's nobody who's walked on the earth yet who's been free of mistakes uh, or, you know, has nothing left to learn. So uh, in that way, I thought, uh, you know, you're an ideal person to to share some of those perspectives. Well, maybe I'm, I, I might be a bit of an outlier. And in many ways, I, I think I am an outlier, uh, good and bad. Uh, but my, my lessons, my best, my hardest lessons, my hardest hit lessons have all occurred because of something that I sort of catastrophically did wrong. And it might not have been the kind of thing that I even understood that I was doing it wrong, but it was in the retrospect and that self-examination and reflection where I uh, really learned something. So I'm, I'm happy to do it. Well, I'm willing to do it. <laughs> all right. While you're willing and before you change Let's your mind. <laughs> right. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So, lesson number one. Hardest so learned. Well, I had a, you know, all of like, I don't know, your intro period uh, where you were saying, hey, welcome to Cloud Wars to kind of think of the flow. So I'm going to give three, one that happened in the military, one that happened as I was ex- exiting, and then one that's happened since. Great. And they should be the kind of things that people should identify with, even though they are across this sort of spectrum of, um, you know, uh, careers and positions and whatnot, because they're more emotive than they are specific to an industry okay. or segment. So. So the first one was, uh, and this one was, uh, this was a hard one. Um, so I was, uh, I was in the Marine Corps. I was a platoon commander and uh, there was a, uh, uh, I was in the middle of an operation and I had a, uh, 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 it was an accident. And I had a couple of my Marines that were really uh, very badly wounded. And, uh, you know, so I got called to help uh, do the medevac and all that. And uh, the situation was it's pretty bad. I don't need to go into any of the details of it. And I'm a young platoon commander. I'm a, I'm a, what they call the butter bar. So I'm a second Lieutenant and I'm just, I'm just learning. Right. And, and, but I'm responsible for these people's lives in this case, in a very, very tangible fashion, a very like immediate, like in literal sense. And, um, 
and I was, I was shaken by what, what had been going on. So the, the whole time this exercise is rolling, this operation is rolling and I've got some Marines down and I've got the rest of them doing their jobs. Well, after attending to the, um, uh, the emergency, I get on the radio net and I call in uh, essentially my, um, my, my, my team from the field to let them, cause they all had heard what happened. And so I called them in just to, cause I wanted to tell them in person, you know, what was going on uh, in this situation. And I, I debriefed them. I thought that it was a good thing for them to know. I mean, this is, this was a, I mean, when you say that these Marine units can be like family, they're, they're like family. And I, I wanted to share this with them, uh, you know, given what was going on. And, uh, and then they, you know, I send everybody back to their positions. Um, that was precisely the wrong thing to do because what I did is I took them out of the operation, uh, to share this. And, uh, I learned that lesson in a very, very painful way. Um, starting with my battalion commanding officer, who was a really dear friend of mine and a fantastic leader, but chewing my ass, uh, for that and, and doing it properly, um, aggressively, but, you know, privately and properly and making the points. And uh, I, I came to realize that there's a balance between caring for your people and accomplishing the mission. And, and, and I'm like 23 years old. And this is a, this is a heck of a lesson. I mean, because we're, you know, we're talking about people's lives and whatnot. And, uh, but we're talking about people's lives on both sides. Because if the, if, if something bad had happened, uh, you know, because I had created a gap in our defenses uh, by pulling those Marines in. Well, that would have been even more lives than the two, uh, you know, that were immediately affected. And so it was quite a, it was quite a lesson. I thought I was so sure I was doing the right thing only to then it was, it was almost like whiplash. And I, I could still, like, I still sense it. I still feel it like how wrong I was uh, to have done that. There was so many different ways and better ways to do it. And, um, and I really blew it on that one. And it didn't do any career damage at all uh, because I had good leaders that looked at this as an opportunity to make a better platoon commander, um, but I was wrong. And I, I uh, yeah, I, uh, I paid a bit of a price for it uh, at the time. And uh, anyway, so that was, you know, big lesson number one. <laughs> Christian, um, thanks for that. Uh, did, when did you, in that process, when was it revealed to you or when did you understand in your own mind, eh, that was not the right thing to do? Uh, yeah, so I, I, I didn't even realize it until essentially my battalion commander came rolling up on my position uh, and, and basically said, basically looked at me and said, let me, what did you just do? What happened? And tell me what you just did. And I explained it. And, uh, and it was, a, again, I, 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 it was a painful lesson, but it was the right lesson given in the right way. Um, look, we can't always hold people's hands. I, I, I don't always want people to hold my hands when I make a mistake. Sometimes I want someone to go, you made a mistake. Yeah. There's something really powerful about a direct and even near immediate feedback, right? When delivered with good intent, with delivered with um, the purpose of, of correcting uh, uh, something that maybe needed to be corrected. And, and, uh, and that happened. And, uh, and actually, not only did I learn something, but I gained an incredible leadership lesson in terms of how that message was delivered 
and how in it in it, so many different ways it could have been delivered in a much less constructive much less productive fashion and so i learned on both sides of that one but i still count this to be one of my most jarring um screw-ups for a couple reasons my marines knew i made a mistake and so i was embarrassed my peers knew i made a mistake and i was embarrassed and my boss knew i made a mistake and i was embarrassed and um, his advice was, okay, you got it, move it, it's behind you now, get going. And I, again, there was no, you know, repercussions of this other than it was just a, it was a learning opportunity for me. So that's actually, it do, might not seem much to a, a listener here. Uh, it was very, very personal, very, very, um, it was a big thing. And, uh, and I was learning again, the lesson, and there were many, but it was this balance between looking out for your people and their welfare and making sure the job still gets done. Yeah. And it was that balance. That was the crux of the lesson that I learned. Yeah. Um, uh, Chris and anybody who doesn't get that. or can't understand it. It, it, it. It's, it's not the fault of you or the story. Um, let me ask one other follow-up on that. You said that your commanding officer who became a, a dear friend of yours did, did his approach in this help to build that friendship? Well, I wouldn't say it actually helped build the friendship, but it built a, a level of respect that was, uh, you know, there's, there's a big difference between a battalion commander and a boot lieutenant. Okay. So, I mean, you know, it, there's a big difference. So it didn't like, it, it took, uh, God, it, uh, maybe until, four years ago when I connected with this gentleman, just a, one of the best people I know is uh, this uh, Marine uh, Lieutenant Colonel. And, um, and our, you know, we were, we're fast friends. Uh, and I even, <laughs> what's funny, by the way, is I mentioned it to him. I, I said, Hey, look, I don't know. You might not remember this. And I was sure he remembered it because it was so profound in my life. And, uh, and he's like, Oh, Oh, interesting. Yeah. That was a dumb maneuver, but I don't remember anything about it. I mean, just, it just goes to show you that we have a, you know, if there's another uh, lesson in life, which was so powerful, he's like, okay, and I'll remember this. He's like, okay, we've corrected this, move on. It's behind you. Yeah. And in the military, we, in the Marine Corps, we say, you know, save rounds, alibis. We have things like, you know, forget the shot you just took because it's downrange. Think about the next one. And, um, and that is so, so true. And it, it, it's a good, that in itself is a good lesson because you don't want to be dwelling on this negative self-talk. Oh, why did I do this? Da, 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 da. Move on move on because your effectiveness is degraded by too much of this stuff inside. Take the lesson, absorb it, move on. Yeah. And, uh, and so much to the point where, I mean, he didn't even, he didn't even think about, it. he never even remembered it. And to me, I, I'm still talking about it <laughs> and he didn't remember it. <laughs> Just the way these things work. Right. Yeah. Well, Chris, and that's uh, thank you for sharing that. That's, that's uh, very special. I think, especially what you said at the end, acknowledge it, remember it, don't dwell on it, move on, you know, keep moving, keep moving, keep going forward. So, yeah. So you want to go to number two or you want to go somewhere else? No, I, uh, two would be great. <laughs> All right. I was giving an, I was trying to give myself an off ramp. Uh, <laughs> so my, uh, so my second one is kind of in the, is in the bridge of the two. And this is also very, you know, personal and, and uh, you know, emotional, um, you know, when I was getting out of the Marine Corps, so I had done a number of, uh, you know, a couple of tours here. I was active duty Marine. I wasn't, uh, you know, a reservist or anything. I mean, I was, you know, uh, full time in it. And when you, when you do that, 
and, it, and it's like so many things in life, like you don't often realize what you have until it's gone. That's, that's sometimes in our personal relationships. It's sometimes in our family. It's in our work life. I mean, it, it, these we're humans. We fall trapped to this. And so the next one wasn't that I made a mistake. As much as I learned a really tough lesson that I still deal with on a regular basis, I still think about uh, on a regular basis, I should say. And so that thing that I'm talking about was me leaving the, the active duty uh, Marine Corps um, and then uh, going over to being a, you know, a, a regular private citizen. And the reason I bring this up is because the, it was a very profound sort of awakening for me. We all hear the stories about all oh, military members and they have a hard time transitioning and this and that and this and that and this and that. And there's, you know, all this stuff about, oh, you know, military members, sometimes, especially, you know, Marines, because, they you know, the people look at Marines in a particular way, um, which for the most part, I mean, we're, we're proud of, minus the knuckle dragger and all that other kind of slurs that people sometimes throw at us, but whatever, we got thick skin. We can, Not to your we face, can, though. We, we, you know, we're, we, you know, we're kind, you know, we're kind, we know how to do the job, we, we, we do our job, we like to be, you know, the, the most feared, most revered, most professional fighting force in the world, and that's what we live by, but that sense of, you know, kind of think about, think about what I was talking about in the first example, where I was really concerned about the welfare of the people because of the, the relationships between everybody in that unit, right, I'm just using that as a, as a building block for this next lesson, and the, the next lesson was when you, when you leave something, have a good idea of what it is that you're actually leaving and maybe losing. I don't regret leaving active duty service as a Marine. I, I did some uh, stuff afterwards and, and you know, I continue to serve uh, the, my country, our country in, in different capacities. Um, I just didn't realize that I was gonna go from an environment of people caring about one another, looking out for their welfare, using words like we and us whenever there was something positive and I when there was something screwed up, right? I, I, I didn't realize like how powerful that was. And so when I went into the corporate world where, I mean, very candidly, it's much more about I and me and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, you know, we we have a fundamental leadership issue in this country, maybe across the world. I don't know. I can only speak for the things I observe. We're just way too self-interested. Uh, we um, don't try, in my opinion, hard enough to you know, build the teams, the camaraderie, the, the unified vision, goal, ambition. Um, it's, it's a lot more about, hey, you know, what can you do to help me make more money? Now, I'm, a, I'm a capitalist. I love that, too but the balance is off and I lost, I, I went from this, this camaraderie and a spree to something else. And, uh, and, and I haven't quite ever lost the longing, if you will, for uh, what I had, but I can't ever get back. And uh, so it's a very, it's not a mistake that I made. It is rather um, a, um, a lesson that I learned and that has helped equip me, by the way, in terms of how I think about organizations pulling together people, unifying them, getting them, you know, let's, you can't be a good leader without being a, a, at least a decent manager, but not just, you know, not everything, but by the numbers, but actually, you know, inspiration, ambition, et cetera, of something bigger than just the one. And that has been something that I've um, 
work towards and failed at that too, by the way, uh, but worked towards ever since I stopped active duty. So there's kind of my big lesson category number two. So I, Christian, just, you know, encapsulate that, right? Uh, in a short form, if knowing what you know now, what would you do differently then? You know, that is the question. And I, I think uh, I would have uh, been more circumspect in the timing of when I left. And I think I would have, if, if I knew then what I know, uh, know now, I would have known that was the situation I was going to, and I wouldn't have lost years almost being depressed about it, right? Because I didn't know what it was. It took me a while to figure out, like, you know, I mean, it, 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 it's pretty obvious when you put words around it, but when you're just kind of living in it, yeah. like, I didn't know that I was kind of like depressed by the fact that, I mean, nobody gave a shit about each other. Oh, wait, can I say that on the podcast? I'm sorry. Yep. Nobody gave a, you know, nobody cared about one another that much. I mean, everybody is good buddies, you know, in, in the workplace is, you know, for the most part, because, you know, nobody has the courage to be candid half the time. And then, uh, you know, somebody leaves, someone goes on, someone has a hard day. And then, you know, there's all this, there's not, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a disappointment. By the way, you know, I will say, and we've talked about this on another um, uh, podcast, I mean, it's, it's this lack of feeling in the workplace. It's this lack of belonging and it's this lack of leadership that even attempts to create it is why the great resignation and the big quit is happening anyway. Yeah. It's yeah. not a, it's not a mystery. It's only a mystery to the companies to say, Hey, the only way to solve it is, you know, try and pay you 20% more, <laughs> by the way, everybody's learning that's not working. So, you know, I, I would have, I would have been more circumspect about the things I was leaving and then done more sooner to fill that gap um, at, at the time. Yeah. Oh, hey, when you leave, can I have your office? <laughs> that's why those like, that's what yeah. it meant, huh? Now, Chris, that's, and I, you know, one thing on that too, um, I think in a lot of ways, what you're getting at too is that the culture of an organization and how special it either can be or it isn't. And people really feel that so intensely. Now, I, I think today in these crazy times, the pace at which stuff's going, the change, like you talked about a moment ago, the fact that so many people are leaving and it's not leaving because they're independently wealthy and never have to work. They just, they can't put up another day in this sort of place. They want to go somewhere where it's quite different. And I think one of CEO's top two or three jobs right now has to be really putting intense focus on the culture of an organization that uh, that doesn't, you know, nudge people out or push them out aggressively, but instead becomes a, you know, a gravitational pull that says, we know what's going on here and we are going to revere those higher level things here as well as, you know, high business performance as well. So. And yeah. what's interesting, what's interesting about that, and, and I'd love to dive into this in a future talk, most companies don't understand that culture is an output and leadership is the input. Mm -hmm. And because they don't understand that, that's when we make the placards. That's when we emboss integrity in the lobby of Enron. It's, it's just, it's placard time, right? That's, and, and really the hard work of creating culture is how we model, how we behave, how we act, how we lead, you know, and how we, you know, it, what we don't allow. That is what creates culture. And, uh, and you know you're, you're spot on though, and uh, and I was leaving a culture of 
a camaraderie of, of, of um, sort of universal commitment to some universal truths that, you know, it's just sadly, uh, uh, I've had tastes of it, but it's just, it's never been quite the same. And I've learned to, you know, adapt and yeah. do better myself at creating those environments for others and still fail. <laughs> Again, another great one, Christian. Thanks for sharing that. And we're gonna, uh, I'm gonna ask about number three here, but first I just wanted to mention uh, a message here from our sponsor, BMC. If you think of world-class gymnast Simone Biles, you think of someone bringing her A-game to her sport, the absolute highest level you can think of. And you can get to that level in business as well. BMC calls this the autonomous digital enterprise. It's when automation is effortless and therefore allows people to concentrate on innovation. You can find out more at bmc.com slash A-game. Uh, so Christian, as you said, you know, an example from the military, an example from your transition out of the military. So now we enter, uh, you know, the world of your business adventures. And it's going to be tough. I, I'm sure you've got a good one here, but those are two pretty meaty lessons that you've put out so far. Well, my business adventures have been uh, often uh, business misadventures. Um, <laughs> you know, kind of like the BCG matrix. You got to throw some question marks out there to get the stars <laughs> and keep your cash cows. But uh -huh. you got to be all right with the failures and yeah. you just have to acknowledge them. And that's the lesson. That's what I learned from the following thing. So, you know, there's a phrase I like to use and, and to all you listeners out there, uh, do better than I did. Don't don't fall into the trap. So think about the three the three stories and how they stack. Well, this is like the third chapter here, and there's this thing called the fortification of the executive ego. I don't know if that's a, a like a a phrase that's out there, and if it's not, I I'm gonna I'm trademarking it because uh -huh. it's so true. And as you get further and further up in an organization, you you must be more and more right, <laughs> right? I mean, how else, did you, how else did you ascend and of course, that sounds silly. And of course, that sounds, um, you know, like, you know, who would fall for it, but it is the ultimate trap. And the fortification of the executive ego is real. Mm -hmm. It's why so many executives will go and I mean, they don't when the executive is in a meeting, they, you know, the number one thing they could probably do is just be quiet, <laughs> right? Because it's the, the people with the ideas and the thoughts and they can get the stuff done. But the executive, you know, they gotta, they, they have to contribute something because, the executive they must know they must know better than everybody else in some cases and um so you know my my big mistake and this will be far less emotional than the other ones but it was such a it was such a um i fell for the i fell into the trap myself and what ended up happening is i was in charge of uh i was working at this really great company uh as uh, at the time i was the cio of a really great company. It was uh, UL, uh, formerly known as Underwriters Laboratories. And I was put in charge of this huge uh, project and transformation that it was affecting like everything. And the number one criteria for this thing, because there was some stuff going on, was that it was done by a certain date. It was like, you know, damn the torpedoes, full speed ahead. And so I latched on to the, um, uh, the, the number one success criteria, which was to get this thing done and working in, in, in the marketplace by a certain date and kind of forgot about like everything else. And so um, the, the problem was, and, and sort of my shame of it was, is that I just stopped listening to folks because I was so, I mean, I knew what my metric was. 
And I was by, you know, you show me what's how someone's compensated. I'll show you how they'll act hundred percent of the time. And I fell into that trap. And what I ended up doing is making the date, but the detritus in terms of the impact to the business and, and, and the impact even worse to our customers was far greater than me just going up and saying, Hey, you know what? The fundamental metric is wrong. And I, di- I didn't, I, I didn't do that. And, um, and it, and it created a lot of problems. I mean, not, not, not small problems, but like, like big problems. And uh, I just wasn't, um, I, I don't know. I just wasn't smart enough to, to, to adjust my uh, behavior and my style. Cause I saw my finish line. I was just way too obsessed with it. And then uh, it was a very, very painful thing. I, you know, I probably candidly, I, I probably should have been fired, you know, for it because, um, you know, it, it did impact the business and it did impact uh, uh, our customers. And, um, but again, I had a really, really fantastic boss who yeah. said, Hey, you know what? This was a great education. And he even did this for us all, you know, myself included. He's a fantastic CEO, the kind the CEO, the CEO that we should all be uh, yeah. fortunate to work for. And he, he, uh, he said, This is a, you know, this is a, you know, a 20, 30, $40 million lesson. The project was way, way bigger than that. But, I, I, you know, he, he invested a lot of my education, shall yeah. we say. And, um, and it really came down to me uh, fortifying an ego and saying, hey, look, this is it. This is what's right. This is and, and me being unwavering in it and not letting the fortifications of my ego um, be penetrated by the concentrating concentrated fire, if you will, of my colleagues and, and the market. Uh-huh. So not as emotional as the other ones, but uh, it was just as painful. Well, you know, if I may, uh, I'm not a psychologist. I don't play one on TV. But um, as you were telling the third one, question, you were moving around in your chair and, you know, uh, squirming a little bit more than in the first two. Yeah, you know, it, it probably because it's more a it's more recent. And the other ones were, you know, they were like almost point in time. Mm-hmm. But this project went on for, you know, yeah. 18 months. Yeah. I mean, so it was a, it was a, it was a series of lessons that kept, you know, that kept giving. So I, I didn't get like one beating for my mistake. I mean, I was beaten many times <laughs> and, you know, again, in many cases, just absolutely rightfully so. Yeah. Um, I just, I, I think the lesson though, is that we, we, we have always got to keep ourselves to the point where we can be vulnerable enough that we can always take feedback and criticism and then have the courage to act in a way that's consistent with the greatest intent out there, which is the performance of the company in the marketplace. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and, and I, and I lost sight of that. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's I, shame is a big word in all these, uh, but I, and, and also regret, you know, we can't regret the things that we've done that have helped shape yep. us into hopefully something better. Um, yet that would, you know, that was one of those, that was life's, another one of life's painful lessons yeah you know, yeah you know, listen to people uh pay attention always understand the, the the greatest intent out there and when you're lucky when you're really really good you're going to pick a fantastic boss and do that well and you'll be happy <laughs> yeah uh, christian you know as you were describing that at the beginning the fortification of the executive ego uh this has to be 25 maybe 30 years ago but I was working as, again, a fine company, and uh, so did the big boss, was a really talented guy. Um, he, he was 
he was very insightful in talking to people who worked with him and for him um, about, you know, things about character and psychology and personality, but he was utterly tone deaf when it came to, you know, uh, how those applied to him. And one day somebody brought in one of those little bobblehead dolls. It was a guy in a little business suit. And when you tap him on the head, he'd say things like, that is the greatest idea I ever heard. You are such a genius. How do you do it? It was the biggest sort of butt kissing thing all along. And there were probably six or eight of us in the room laughing our asses off about this, except the big boss. He was there saying like, I, I, I don't, I don't see the humor in this, you know, uh, where's it? So it was, and uh, I just remember thinking at the time here, like, this is not a dumb guy. Uh, and I think he does get it. It was just, he was not comfortable. It wasn't an ego fortification, even though his men is a joke, but he was seen as like, no, 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 no. Don't tell the emperor he doesn't have any clothes on it. He's wearing a polyester striped suit with a, you know, quadruple knit uh, striped jacket. Uh, you know, you just can't do that. There's, and he wanted to like tamp this stuff down. And um, ultimately, as a number of people left the organization, many of us stayed sort of in touch laterally and not many people, you know, have stayed in touch with him. Uh, and I think it was because he, he was so focused on short-term results uh, short and long-term fortification of his executive ego that uh, that there weren't those interpersonal, let's learn, let's move, let's develop, let's admit when we made a mistake, let's fortify the things we're doing right, let's have the courage and the honesty to say what we really mean here, and let's not allow ourselves to get trapped in things that are going to go sideways for a while uh, because we're afraid to say what, what you know, we really should say. Uh, and so there were a lot of those expensive lessons and some big successes as well. But I don't think, I don't think it was something like we ever felt like uh, uh, I, I can really be fully honest. I, I can step up and say that was the wrong metric. This was wrong. That was wrong. So I don't say this all to blame him. I'm, uh, as I'm saying this too, one of the lessons I learned was you know, you cannot change other people. You can try to share what you know, try to influence, try to nudge shape here or there. But what you got to do is, you know, really, really, really focus on yourself first, what you're doing right, try to impart the best things that you know and you've learned to others and build that sense of trust and camaraderie that's really earned, not with posters in the uh, break room, but, you know, by what you do and what you say. But it's, it's, it's very hard and I wish I had been more... Uh, courageous or ballsy or whatever the right word is and just stood up a few times and said, no, this isn't, this is not right. You know, it's, it's, this is ego fortification. This is not uh, performance enhancement. Yeah. And it's such a shame too, because it, the reality of it is, and this is why this uh, fortification of the executive ego or really any of our egos, it doesn't have to have the executive in front of it is so dangerous. I mean, you know, I won't get the exact figures right, but the ranges are, are, are darn well near uh, accurate. Uh, you know, somewhere between 65 and 85% of M&A deals utterly fail to make deal economics. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's, that's huge. How about somewhere between like 64 and 80% of a new service and product launches fail in the marketplace. Okay. 
And then here's the one, this one for your listeners out here, you know, somewhere in the vicinity of 75% of all digital transformations fail, just patently fail to achieve their objective. So look, failure is, it, it's, it's not an option. It's a darn well near a certainty. What we need to do is just get better of admitting the failure and therefore learning from the failure because failing to do that, guess what? Then you're not creating an honest organization. You're not creating a learning organization and you're not creating an organization that will simply go, I'm not making that same mistake twice, which is by the way, M&A deals continue to fail. The, 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 the deal economics is because nobody comes out. I mean, how many of you listeners out there, please comment in, 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 uh, you know, in, in the, um, in the whatever forum you see this. Okay. So on LinkedIn, make some comments, you know, how many of you work for an organization where you've had the CEO, you know, get up there and go, well, folks, Hey, I got to tell you, you know, we put uh, Bob in charge of this thing and he really blew it. It was completely, it was a disaster, but Hey, I want to, I want to applaud it him because he had the courage to do it. He had the courage to pull the plug before it cost us too much. He had the, the, the wherewithal to bring it to our attention, even though we didn't want to hear it. And you know what? If we're going to fail, we want to fail like Bob failed. Folks, do more what Bob did. Do what you can. Do the best you can. And don't be afraid to admit a failure because it's better for all of us if we're honest like that with one another. How many of you work for an organization that you've ever heard that from an executive? I challenge anybody to put a, 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 a comment like that in, in, and explain it because we want to hear from you. Yeah. I don't see it. Uh, and I, I work with... Um, interesting companies that make these kind of mistakes on a fairly routine basis. And it's, you know, it, the, the statistics are right. The mistakes are made. The failures are uh, again, not an option, but a certainty admitting them. Well, now that's another thing altogether. That is not usually an option. It's that's even ever considered. And it's really a shame. Well, if I could, Chris, and I think your, your point a few minutes ago about leaderships, the input cultures, the output, if the leadership on the input side, helps to provide the sense of honesty and confidence and trust in which that sort of feedback comes out. Then you've got the culture that can admit it, stop the thing, take the lesson, apply it, move on, which goes back to, you know, in some ways your first point about it, uh, you know, of your hard lessons. But Christian, these have been great. Uh, what, a, what a range of uh, things you've gone on. Are, are you glad that we just talked about three and not, you know, like 10? Well, I do feel like I, uh, you know, I, I, I need to find a safe space, all right, and get a little quiet time for just myself. <laughs> well, we had some laughs. I don't know what it was, eight months ago, nine months ago, but a couple introductions I referred to you as cuddly. And uh... yeah. <laughs> cuddly. yeah, I know. I heard a lot about cuddly. Hey, you know, the, the, I, I can smile through a lot of things. That doesn't mean that things don't hurt. I just, uh, you know, I, I often smile for them. And, and uh, you know, the, one thing on authentic leadership um, this will be controversial. People, um, when, when things get really, really hard, you know what people want? They don't want to know how hard it is on you. They don't want to know how you're going to lead them to a successful finish. Right. And, uh, you know, so often, um, you know, as leaders, we, we have to be very open um, to taking input and even, you know, sort of tough criticisms. Those are often <laughs> the best ones we can get. Um, but authentic leadership isn't about showing wearing our heart on the sl our sleeves all the time. Yeah. In fact, under on real tough circumstances, it's, there's no place for it. Yeah. But uh, that's another story and another topic altogether. All right, all right. Well, Chris, and your uh, for your your candor and you know tremendous stories. You know, uh, 
without trying to be too pedantic about them. You gave us all lots of things to learn from that and take away from it. And plus they're just terrific stories that to one level or another, each of us you know, goes through these ordeals and we have a choice to make, right? We can let them you know, uh, overwhelm. You, we can be overwhelmed by them. We can learn from them. We can advance from them, grow from them. You know, it's our choice, but we've got we've to take that ownership and do it. So thank you very much for, for sharing those very, very personal stories. They're really, in these nutty times, they're, they're helpful to think about. Well, it's been my pleasure to be here on the show again with you and uh, happy to allow my experiences to be a cautionary tale to your listeners. So (laughs) always good to see you You too, Christian. And folks, thanks to all of you for being with us here at Cloud Wars Labs. This is uh, uh, just a very, very special episode here with our dear friend, Christian Anschutz, about lessons learned. And as Christian said, we hope you'll share some comments on the LinkedIn thread about, uh, you know, your feelings about this as well. Thanks a lot. We look forward to seeing you next time. All right, Kristen, check out.